boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights, Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Is Fright Fights. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Fright Fights podcast. And we hope you enjoy this fantastic edition, as today we will be reviewing three horror vampire films that will be battling at the end together. Tyler himself is going to be uh, giving his thoughts on Infinity Pool. And also, we have to share a little bit about our paranormal experiences that a few of us have had. Not really paranormal, but more of like sleep paralysis. Um, I've had a few things going on about that, so I wanted to talk and discuss that topic with you guys and just see what your all starts were. Um, but we could be out watching Scream 6 right now, but instead we're at home. We're in our rooms, and we're recording a Man. podcast instead. So I'm really- For you guys. We were doing that for you guys. What are y'all dragging? We love our fans. I'm so mad. We could be over here just watching the number one horror film so far this year. I've heard nothing besides good things. Oh, and the killer is. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Just letting y'all know, we're going to spoil it for you right here, right now. So, Chris, you said you were actually currently, something threw me off. You said, I'm currently experiencing sleep paralysis issues. Are you having sleep paralysis right now? Are we real? I'm I'm kidding. No, so... Okay, so the reason I brought this topic up is uh, I've been I've been binge watching Ghost Hunters. So this was a show that was a paranormal show back in like 2004 all the way through 2014, somewhere around that time frame. And it was really into it. It's it's one of the things that got me into into ghosts and the paranormal and going down to Waverly Hills and visiting that place multiple times and doing tours and everything. Um, but with it, there's all kinds of different things that you can really relate to the paranormal, whether it being ghosts or sleep paralysis or just a lot of different aspects of the unknown. And um, so as I'm watching Ghost Hunters and I'm seeing all these different things happen, I start thinking about all the stuff that's happened to me in my past and a few different sleep paralysis stories that's, that's you know happened to me that I couldn't explain until I did research on and found out what the actual cause was. Right. And it's just a very interesting topic to begin with. Uh, I don't know if you guys have experienced sleep paralysis uh, before. I can't say I've experienced. I mean, I, I'm very well aware no. of what sleep paralysis kind of does to somebody. Um, I've had a couple experiences. Like I've had this one experience where I, I guess you could say it's a version of sleep paralysis, but I couldn't exactly pinpoint, you know, it being fully sleep paralysis. I remember one time I was asleep and something seemed like it was like going off like a bomb 
almost and it woke me up in the middle of my sleep and I like panicked but whenever I panicked I felt like pins and needles all over my body and then I went away so that is it's not sleep paralysis that's from a thing it's called exploding head syndrome and uh <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Chris, just educating everybody yeah. all right guys so, uh, new podcast <laughs> so exploding head syndrome is is really based where you're in the middle of a dream they're inside the dream that you're having. Uh, there is some type of loud noise or explosion, uh, car wreck, anything like that that can cause a loud noise. And it happens at the exact moment that you wake up. So whenever you wake up, you still hear that sound because it's still in your head. And it makes you feel like whatever you heard is in the house with you or happened right outside the house or close nearby. So if you had an explosion that happened, you wake up thinking, oh, my gosh, something just exploded right beside me or something exploded in the house. So really weird, uh, just kind of like a cool little, you know, not really paranormal or anything, but just a weird, unknown thing that happens to people while they sleep. Mm. And I've had that happen a few times before, but that's. That's definitely one of those things that's that's really interesting to talk about. I was telling Mike about it before where I uh, I had the same experience where I woke up, you know, thinking that something had crashed through our house. That's what it sounded like. It was just like somebody took like a dryer or a washer or dryer machine and it just set it on top of the roof and it just crashed through our house. And I just I woke up thinking, oh, my God, something had just fallen through. And I got up to actually investigate the house to see what it was and, and didn't know until later on about what that actually was was from. Um, but the main thing is is sleep paralysis, which for those of you that don't know what it is, it's a really terrifying experience that people can have. And it has nothing to do with the paranormal whatsoever, at least that we know of. So basically, when you're in the middle of sleeping and your body shuts itself down in the middle of a, like a certain like sleep realm. Um, so that way it, it basically paralyzes itself. So that way you don't get up and sleepwalk, which some people are affected by that. And it actually causes them to, their body doesn't fully shut down. They get up and they actually sleepwalk. Uh, but that is supposed to stop you from being able to do that or acting out your dreams in the middle of, of sleep. So there are occurrences where you wake up suddenly um, from your sleep but your body doesn't recognize that it has woken up yet. So your body is still in its sleep mode. It's still paralyzed. So you can't move. You can't, you can't do anything at all. But the weird thing about it is that during the time period that you have it, which only lasts about 10 to 15 seconds, if that, but when it, <clears throat> it makes it feel like an eternity because almost every single sleep paralysis story that somebody has experienced, it is all brought on with a feeling of complete dread a feeling of something is bad is like something bad is going to happen or seeing things like everybody uh, a lot of people who have experienced it have seen things in their rooms with them or like a um, like a shadow man or a demon or even aliens to an extent it's just a really strange thing that happens that nobody can really explain what the reason is that correlates sleep paralysis with these visions or experiences and I have had a few of those myself. Um, one in particular instant, instance that I've had was I was probably around like 24, 25 years old at the time. And I remember uh, at the time I was sleeping in a room that was pitch black. I used to sleep all the time before I had a kid with like a blanket over the window so that no light came in. Uh, a floor fan that would set directly next to the bed to drown out all, all the sound. And I remember I, I woke up. 
couldn't move. I was completely paralyzed. And it was like there was someone standing in the doorway. It, it, I couldn't see anything, but it felt like there was someone standing there, like that sixth sense. But at the exact same time, my entire body felt dread, like a, just like a full sensation of dread, like something horrible was about to happen. And at that moment as well, it felt like that presence at the door was moving closer and closer to me to the point to where it felt like it was right up like a half an inch away from my face. And just the entire time, it was just complete dread. I thought that whatever was there, whatever was was causing this was there to do something horrible. And there was no way I could move. Like I couldn't move. I couldn't, I tried to scream. I couldn't even, I couldn't even get any, any voice out or anything like that. And then suddenly it just, you just snap out of it and the entire feeling of dread is gone. And I don't know how to explain it other than, than it's just the most terrifying, but coolest thing that's ever happened to me as far as like sleep, you know, sleeping stuff goes. Did all that happen after a long night at Applebee's? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I had too much salmon. <laughs> I love it. Well, you know, one thing I want to say. Well, first of all, I want to recommend um, The Nightmare. You, Chris, you haven't seen The Nightmare. Mike, have you seen The Nightmare? It's a documentary. It used to be on Netflix. No. I don't know if it still is. It's about <laughs> sleep paralysis, and I love it so much because you hear all these like crazy. It's on Shutter. Is it on Shutter now? So, mm-hmm. yeah, guys, if you're into like anything kind of like creepypasta or any kind of like you know, thing like that, definitely check it out because it's not a creepypasta, but it does feel like it because you hear about different experiences of people with sleep paralysis. Really interesting. I love it at the end because it was like, you know, you've watched this entire documentary and studies have shown that sleep paralysis is more prominent whenever you've talked about it right before. And it's just like crap i've watched this entire 90 minute documentary and the last question it leaves you with is the fact that hey it could happen to you now because we've talked about it so much and i I just love that so much but um have you guys heard about zach baggins no no you guys guys fans of him oh yeah I wish I could remember exactly what was going on, but you mentioned um, Ghost Adventures, I think, Chris. And obviously, if you guys know Zach Baggins, he is the main guy. I like Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters is the one I like. I feel like that's the more more realistic one where they go through and try to debunk situations. Like if if somebody has uh, a paranormal experience at the house, the, the Ghost Hunter team goes in and says, what in real life could cause these experiences? And we will do our best to figure that out. And if we try everything and can't reproduce that effect or that thing that's happening, then we'll say that could be could be paranormal. Mm. But Zach Baggins from Ghost Adventures, man, he's just like, no matter where we go to, it's the scariest place, the most haunted place in the entire world. And I'm going to do everything I, I like can it. to make, make ghosts attack I want people. it. Well, I like it. I just I like want, it. I, 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 I love that because he's like challenging them. Yes. Right? Yes, like he's talking shit to him. Like, hey, come get me, fuckers. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like challenging the ghost. It's very. I like Ghost Adventures, man. It's 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 entertaining, and that's what I mean, it's Ghost for. Hunters I mean, is great because they're the OGs as well. But you know, right. I think Ghost Adventures has something about it that's really kind of novelty Didn't, because just Zach's like a whole character within himself. Like, wasn't Ghost uh, Hunters? Didn't they work for like Roto Rooter? <laughs> like, you know, like yeah, they were plumbers. Yeah, <laughs> so, they're, yeah. Uh, they're cleaning shit up and they uh, go hunt ghosts. 
<laughs> no, it's just like Zach no, Baffins but... is like hilarious just because the guy is just such a character. I mean, it's just yeah. He's like sort of screaming at the ghost. He ev- everything is like haunted. He's like, let me tell you, the ghost. Yeah. He's just like one of those like like I don't know how you would describe him. I'm sure people listening as fans. I'm a fan. I'm not trying to shit talk him or anything, but it's just like right. goofy. I don't know. Um, he actually he actually has a museum. Blah, 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 I can't talk. He has a museum in um Las Vegas called the Hana Museum, and I want to yeah. go to that so bad. You have to sign a disclosure yeah. and like a um what is it. What do you have to sign when you go in places? You know what I'm talking about. It'll like right uh, yeah. away. What am I thinking? I'm losing this word. A consent? A consent, maybe? Or like a consent? No, or, yeah. yeah, consent kind of, yeah. Um, and if you go in, like they basically say you can be haunted. Like, like this place is so haunted, you can be haunted. I'm like, wow. But I guess Zach Baggins is like under fire and he's getting canceled right now because he he um is executive producer of some other ghost shows, and one of them. I, forget, I think it was premiering on um, Discovery Plus or something. And he had a friend of his um, get his own show. And I guess he canceled it underneath like really weird circumstances. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't want to speak to it here on the record. <laughs> Just in case I'm messing this up completely. But definitely look it up and do some investigative work into it. I am not seeing any like thing about it on here. I was trying to read it to you guys. But um, I'm sure more will come out in the next couple of days. Because it's becoming... <laughs> increasingly concerning i guess what he's done so um, wow that's a kind of interesting thing to bring up was like ghost hunters ghost adventures because you know the paranormal community is kind of under fire right now well the reason i started watching it again because i used to watch it when it first aired you know back in 2004 all the way up to at least 2010 is when i stopped watching i believe but it, it i think it aired all the way through 2014 um, but they brought the show back in 2020 or 2019 on A&E. And for some weird reason, those seasons that are from A&E are on Disney+. Plus. And so whenever I was you know, trying to find something to watch for my daughter, I came across it being listed as new, newly added to Disney+. Plus. I was like, what the heck? They have Ghost Hunters? And it's stuff I've never seen before. So I was like, got really interested in it. And again, I started watching it and have fell in love with it all over again. And obviously those things, when you start... <laughs> Me, of course, watching Ghost Hunters at two o'clock in the morning uh, in a pitch black room and then having to get up and go to the kitchen for whatever reason or go to the basement for whatever reason makes it more intense because you have those thoughts in your head and you have those ideas of what's going to happen. And then it just creates a whole new scenario in your mind and it makes it a really cool experience. So uh, that's I've just gotten really into it a lot. Yeah. Do you ever have anything in your movie room give you the creeps at night, Chris? Because I remember I had this one, okay, there was something about the Sinister Dude. I forgot the guy's name that plays him, but, um, oh my God, Bagoo. Am I right? Bagoo? <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Bagoo! He's in tight. So the guy's so creepy. I mean, like, obviously, like, Sinister, like, he, his, like, mask is legit. Like, this guy, I've seen the mask in person, and I'm like, oh my God. It's it's insane how crazy realistic and like hyper like you know horror it is, and yeah, he signed the picture for me whenever I met him at a convention a couple of years ago. I hung it up in my my movie room, and at nighttime I used to walk by it sometimes, and I would I would just see it in the corner of my eye, and the way I positioned it on the wall looked like somebody was standing there staring at me, hey. and I was like I would get like freaked out. I was like, wait, now turn on the light. I was like, oh wait. Oh picture so it was just like yeah. it's like has that ever happened to you like maybe like oh my god is somebody down here 
Well, you know that my my movie room is my basement. So all the all my movies and and collectibles and everything is all stored and stuff down here in the basement. And the only way to get to the basement is a spiral staircase that we have, which it's a floating staircase. So all the where you know where you step is all completely see through and everything like that. So anytime that I'm down here, we have to turn. There's only light switches in the basement. Right. So we have to turn the lights off completely and then walk up the stairs. And usually the lights upstairs are already off too. So it's pitch black trying to walk up a spiral staircase. And if you've watched something creepy, like the night that I watched Hell House LLC and got creeped out anyways, <laughs> had to walk up the spiral staircase. It's open. The entire time you start to walk up, you just feel like at any moment, something's going to reach up and grab your feet. So that's a really weird feeling I have anytime I leave during the middle of the night. Uh, but as far as being like something that I own just scare me, I haven't had that experience. <laughs> the way you said that, it cracks me up. No, like, um, and, and it's a spiral staircase at that too. So like, you know, if, you know, if the Hell House LLC clowns after you, you're just screwed because that thing done is, for. Yeah. It's impossible. Oh, to yeah. staircase. Let me ask you something. Times. I was going to say, have you ever been drunk and like trying to walk up it or down it? I can't do it sober. <laughs> no, honestly, I've walked up that staircase a time or two, and I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I'm not good with spiral staircases in general. So you put a, me on a spiral staircase, it's not going to end well. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very disorienting. Very disorienting because it's really small and narrow. And like the closer you get to the top, the the walls are enclosed from the living room so it's like to enter the living room so it makes it harder to like carry stuff up it it's just very very odd yeah so what y'all been watching lately it's been a little while since we got together so hopefully there's some good i stuff. told you i watch ghost hunters that's all i've watched <laughs> god <laughs> <laughs> um man i watched a classic not too long ago um introduced uh people under the stairs with my daughter love it <clears throat> such a great movie it's like honestly maybe top 20 for me um top 15 it's it's up there uh my daughter really liked it um it just brought back a lot of memories when like i remember watching it the very first time with my dad and it just the creepiness of that film and i still to this day thought it was such so well done um I watch people under the stairs, and then I'm kind of on a kick of watching the screams. So before I go to see Scream Six, uh, I'm right now. Um, I just finished up four, so I'll probably watch five sometime tomorrow, and then boom, go see six. So, what about you guys? What is your um, scream ranking, Mike? Good question. Um, first one obviously is my is number one um number two is kind of tough because i really like the second one and i really like the fifth one so it's probably going to go one the original one five two four three i i the movie the hollywood scene is just not for me i i scream three is the worst for me so my ranking, um, my favorite is Scream Three. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm sorry. 
So man, my... You should have saw the look in his face was just like, fuck it, I'm out. I'm no longer doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, what? you know what? All right, all right, all right. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> I'm sorry. The screen three was not good. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So, um, I mean, obviously, I think anybody that you... I have yet to meet somebody who has not said that Scream, like the first one, has been their favorite. I think it's just sure. absolutely hard to touch. It's a classic. It's never going to. Yep. I don't even know if six. I don't think they can make a Scream again that outdoes the first. Um, unless it's like something like years and years on, and like technology's changed a lot or something. But um, obviously, Scream is my favorite. Um, probably a toss up between Scream Two and Scream Five is right there next to each other. They're like a tie. <laughs> Um, then I would go Scream, yeah, Scream 4, and then Scream 3 would be my least favorite, yeah. which they're all great. Um, Scream 2 right. is pokey at times. Um, Scream 3 is a disaster for the most part, but still, it's you know, it was a Scream movie. We It was enjoyable enough. It, I mean, it just, but the stupid, like, you know, conclusion of the entire series at the time, get past you. Um, Scream 4, it was all right. A lot of people hated it. I didn't hate it quite as much as everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but I know that that's um, Chris's favorite, right? Scream 4? Oh, Absolutely not. <laughs> so I, I've gone a little different ways each time. Like Scream has always been my favorite one, no matter what. I don't think anybody could ever outdo the first one. But the rest of the franchise has pretty much fluctuated a little bit. Um, Whenever Scream 5 first came out, I was like, that's my favorite sequel of the entire series. So it's going to be the first and then and then part five. But after rewatching him a few times, I think part two is still my second favorite. I, yeah. I just love the, the whole thing with being on college, you know, after the high school scene from the first one. Um, yeah. Still love everything with Dewey coming back. And even though they killed Randy, whatever, he was my favorite from that one. Um, Scream 3 would be the next one because uh, even though that there's a lot of stuff wrong with the movie, I still really enjoy it. And you still have the original cast with it. You know, you still got, you know, Nev Campbell and all of them. Uh, part 4 is where I think, I don't know if it's just new age of it or whatever. The The opening scene is one of the things that makes me not really like it that much because it kind of it, it parodies itself. It really opens up with like a scary movie plot where there's a film and you think it's the actual movie and then ta-da, it's not, it's a movie. I think that makes and it fun. Yeah, me too. I, I like it's, it. Without that, I, I, I think it's that just... it like showing, I think it's important that the series is like, you know, we're not going to take ourselves too serious anymore. We, we understand what we are. You know what I mean? Yeah, but there's a line between being a parody and being just meta, and it was more of a parody of itself than it was being meta. And I, to me, I did not like that part of it. I really um, so well. The good, the fun fact about this, obviously, I mean, I will give props when props do. Scream Three is the only one that has one killer. So I mean, that was it. Stood it stands out, and I but I just didn't like the whole step. Like, what is it, half brother type of deal with uh, you know Sydney? I did, I don't know. I I didn't. It wasn't my was. Yeah. It wasn't awful. Like none of the Scream films are terrible, in my opinion. Um, they aren't just as good as some of the others, you know, w within the franchise. Um, I was yeah. a, I was a fan of four. I liked four. I thought four was kind of dark in um, in some ways, but still comical in the others. But um, the one kill, uh, what was it? The neighbor when she was like looking through the window, that was a pretty brutal kill. Like completely tore her up. And um, 
And then that, that, that introduced us Kirby. And uh, I think Kirby is not an ugly person. Um, I think she's pretty attractive and I'm kind of looking forward to her <laughs> in uh, scream six. <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah. yeah and but, when they, when they pulled a um, Rob zombie scream three, I was kind of out at that point. Um, you know, obviously with the half brother thing, but um, yeah. you know, I, I cannot wait. I'm telling you guys, I can just not stop thinking of scream. Oh. The one, yeah, I mean, we're, I I got my one hundred dollar popcorn bucket ordered, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, me too. It'll come out in August. <laughs> like right, it's like I'm like at that point, do I want it still? Yes. I'm yeah, so- all right. <laughs> I had to get two of them because Brittany was like, "Do you want me to order this for you?" And I'm like, "Well, it's gonna be here till it won't be here till August. I, there's no point to do it." She's like, but do you want it? And I said, yes. She's like, okay, I'll only order it for you if you're going to put popcorn in it. And I said, no, I'm going to use it as a display piece. So she's like, okay, I'm, I'm ordering you two of them, one for display and one for popcorn. <laughs> so now I'm, going to have two di- popcorn. now I'm going to have two display pieces. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Love it. Smart man. I know. It's crazy how popular they were. Um. So... I watched a movie called Infinity Pool. Um, it's something that's quite polarizing. As you guys know, I always bring something rather polarizing to the podcast. I'm Captain No Fun over always. here. <laughs> um, Captain no, Archie. <laughs> dude, this was so fun. And I think I really think that you guys will like it. I'm telling you. Here's how it goes, though. Okay, whenever I'm like, Chris... I'm telling you, I love this movie so, so, so much. You've got to see it. You'll love it so much. And I'll just I like, avoid watching it. He avoids watching it. And then <laughs> I'll be like, what does he think? What's he think? And I see him again. And he just like shrugs and says, it was all right. And then I get so, so I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know about Mike, though. Mike, I have I haven't really like yet. I have yet to recommend you something that you've been like absolutely like. Meh, I'm not really into it at all. Mike's been pretty cool about it so far. Chris, I, on I the mean, other hand. So what the what the fuck is the movie even about? So Infinity Pool. All right. So in, this is a valid question, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you. Okay. So starting out, this is Brandon Cronenberg. This is David Cronenberg's son. Think David Cronenberg. Um, Chris hates him. Just not. It's not his thing. I don't hate him. I just <laughs> there's a lot of movies of his that I really like, but him, like in general, the idea of of him making a movie does not interest me any. I don't know why. Like I like Existence. Like that's one of my favorite movies of his. I like Scanners. You know, I like Shivers. Uh, it's it's just an okay movie. I like The Brood. Like there's so much stuff that he does that I like, but at that same point, like when someone says, oh. Cronenberg's coming out with a new movie. I'm just like, eh. I mean, if somebody told me that today, I'd be like, meh. But if somebody told me that and it was like the 80s, I would be like, hell yeah, I'm there. Um, and going back and looking at his filmography from the you know 80s, even 90s, I think was really good. And I agree with you, like the brood and um shivers are like my favorite, but um, nonetheless, his son is following in his footsteps. He's kind of bringing a weird spin to body uh, um it's not quite infinity pool you can't necessarily say is 100 percent body horror so the basic premise and this is kind of giving it away but it's worth it 
So there is a couple that goes to this remote island. It's kind of like a kind of like a lockdown country. It's almost it kind of gives like third world country vibes in a way because it's very like recluse, very secretive, just very like, you know, it's not necessarily a place you would normally want to travel to, it seems like. And um, he's a writer. The, the guy is. And he's like there to finish his book or he's there to write and kind of just escape reality. Um, so eventually what happens is um, they meet up with some friends. They make it the resort. And this resort is very like White Lotus-y. If anyone has watched White Lotus, it's like very bougie. Yeah. I mean. And uh, yeah. so what happens is they go on this like drive around the country. And on this drive, some, you know, some things happen. You know, they, they do some stuff, you know, sexual stuff. But aside from that, they eventually get really drunk and hang out. And he... The guy, his name's James. He accidentally runs over a local man and kills him. Um, they all panic. Um, Mia Goth is also in this, and Mia Goth, obviously being from X, um, she's she's been in several different kind of like Ty West, like you know, the entire X franchise. She plays that role so well, um, and she kind of carries it over to Infinity Pool. So she's freaking out in a way that's like very like not surprised like she's like oh my gosh but she seems kind of like whatever i don't really care so you can tell something's very wrong because she's like just leave they're gonna find you they're gonna you know they're going to incarcerate you your your entire life's gonna be over with you're never gonna leave this island ever and he's like i don't know what to do i'm gonna call the police and like they're all panicking so eventually um they leave the scene he flees he goes back to the resort they kind of play it off they go to bed um the next morning when they wake up the police are there um he doesn't really know who turned him in but somebody did or maybe they just found the body fast forward um he gets the gel and they offer him this is where the story really kicks in the premise is he thinks he's gonna die or he thinks he's gonna be like you know killed on death row they say listen you can either a come to come to prison for life and or possibly get executed or b we have a what was it? it was like a visitor incentive it's like a tourism incentive and he's like okay what is this tourism incentive and they say we can basically you pay us a fee we can clone your body to your exact dna we found a way to match your dna perfectly build yourself into a brand new like person and the only caveat is you can go free, but we have to have something to execute. So what we'll do is we're going to execute hey. your actual body and you will live in your clone body. So what, So then it gets kind of gruesome there for a second because he goes into this process of like this like weird. This is where it gets artsy. So Chris, this is the artsy part. He kind of goes into this room and there's like gloop, like this nasty, gross gloop. And then like strobe effects come on it's really beautiful the way it's told too the story um and like he just basically goes through this excruciating process of being cloned wakes up and walks himself you know down and notices his body is like sitting there alive and he can see two of himself for the first time so he knows like this is real and they're like this is going to be like up to you to watch this kind of thing and what makes it really intense is they bring out the the son of the dad that was killed. So, like, it was his dad that was killed, like, ran over by him. 
they brought out the mother and the son and the son goes up and is able to execute his like original body himself and basically so i'm i'm, I'm telling you like very explicit details but aside from that essentially they he learns that like his friends and other people that's at this resort have learned about this before and they use this as a lawless escape so what they do is they travel from like their normal hometown or whatever they all gather here and like meet almost like at a retreat kind of deal and they just do whatever the hell they want they have wild sex orgies they just kill people they cause havoc around the resort because they know no matter what amount of trouble they can get in they're going to get arrested by the police they're going to pay a fee to them and then they're going to clone their body watch it be executed be released and then just do it over and over again there's a hmm. lot of stuff that goes down it gets really crazy the ending i mean i'm not i'm not going to spoil the ending for anybody who hasn't seen it because it's so new but i'm just going to say it has some crazy crazy twists and turns okay um, wait wait a minute um yes. this just might be me overthinking the plot that you just described but, but what would be the point into cloning someone and then instead of killing the other person, if the exact same clone is the exact, like it's still them with the same thoughts and everything. So like if somebody did a crime, they're going to die for it. It's just still the same body and still the same thoughts. So would they just go and do the same crime again? Like it doesn't make any sense on why they would. That's the exact thing. So it's kind you're, of a pointless. You're able to go free, but to the people of the area that lives there, like this is like a reclusive kind of island, almost like a third world country kind of setup. They, they're they like, we will offer like them to see somebody be executed. Like whenever a crime's committed, a body has to be put up for execution. Like if it's a bad enough crime, like murder or something. So they still will execute them publicly to like show like, hey, we're doing something about this. But they don't want to hurt their tourism. So what they do in order to get money for the area they live in the resort is they allow people to pay out. I think it was like $10,000 or something like that hmm. each time. And they want to continue doing it because every time that they commit a major crime and then come back to get cloned, that's $10,000 in their pocket for the resort. So it's kind of like this tourism incentive that's giving them money at the end of the day. And it becomes almost like transactional. So they're okay with it. They keep it very hush-hush. They don't let anybody know they have this cloning technology. I, I don't know. I, I, it's I, interesting. I, 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 want, I want to see it. I like the way you're describing it, it. It's interesting. It sounds something like something I would give myself. The Time deaths are absolutely gruesome. I'm telling you, like the deaths are like they're pretty. Uh, I've like, watched. I've watched movies like Pinocchio's Revenge, but this movie sounds really fucking stupid. I'm mad. <laughs> I gave it an eight, Chris. I gave it an eight. I absolutely thought this was really, really fun. Did I have questions, Chris? Did I have questions? Yes. I asked many questions throughout. I was like, you know, does, does this make, I was asking the same questions you did, but something about it was interesting enough that it worked. It wasn't your typical horror film. It was doing something different. I respected it for trying to do something different. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to watch the same old thing happen again and again and again. This was something that you only see like once every year that comes out that like does something so weird and off the wall that you're like, you know what? I respect this film for doing something completely different. And that's why I gave it a name. We love you, Brandon. Shout out to you.
<laughs> so you know what that means. We're going to have to put it on the wheel one day. You're going to have to choose that movie and make me watch it and see if it changes my, my mind about it. Here's the thing. I have body horror on there. So technically, since they are doing body modification and the body is changing multiple times, you could choose that for that. Yeah, I, I've heard that it is a, it's cl- like clearly a body horror film. So, yeah, if, if we get that as the listing for it for our next genre, you won't you choose, choose it. it. You will. No, I, I mean, I'm not going to choose the film, but you can. <laughs> I'm pissed. <laughs> All right. Um, wait, where are we? We have more films to talk about, right? Have I, did uh, I describe I, Infinity Pool well enough, you think? Let me see. I just I have so much I can say about this. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I I think you described it okay. I was letting you describe what you were thinking of, like the plot and everything. And I was trying to trying to run it through my head, and I just kept thinking about this. Sounds like the most pointless idea <laughs> ever. Oh, if it tells you anything, the film was rated NC seventeen, and it had to go back and be re-edited. Over, it was one of those films that had to be re-edited over and over again to get the R rating. So that's how thin of a line it walks between r and nc-17 because the sex gets sexy the gore gets gory the killings get very extra extra killy it's crazy is that right Hmm. interesting so anything else y'all actually watch anything ghost hunters i fucking watch ghost hunters god that's it how many episodes have you watched so far? Have you rewatched the watch, series? I'll watch two seasons worth, which is, they're like they're an hour each. I watched two seasons worth within the, the last week. So how many episodes how many episodes per season? Um eight or nine. No, well, the first one has like 14, I think, but then the second season has like eight or nine. Good God. <laughs> I know. It's it's gone on literally since the beginning of time. I told you I I've been binge watching that and I fell in love with it again. That's all I can watch. <laughs> well, oh, they're I, good. I mean, they're good for sure. I can't get you to watch Ghost Adventures. Yeah, Ghost Adventures. But y'all know if we ever went to Vegas, we're gonna go to the Haunted Museum. No matter. I'm already oh, there. definitely. Let's go. Definitely. Let's go. Heck yeah. All right, y'all. Well, I guess we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we are going to get ready for the battle. The battle. All right. Battle of the bite. What they said. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We are about ready for our vampire battle. Starting here, we have Mike's pick because I literally cannot wait. To talk about this film. I think it is going to be a really, really good one. So, Mike, do you want to tell us about what you chose? Yes, sir. Okay. So, I picked the movie Blood Red Sky. And I have to admit, I had to watch this twice. Because the first time, I'm not a huge fan of, like, dubbed films. Like, it's 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 hard for me to really get, you know, involved and interested trying to watch the film, try, uh, the lip the lip reading, you know, it's just like the words of the mouth just didn't sync together, in, especially with the little boy in the movie. So that really bothered me. 
But I watched it the second time, and I really enjoyed watching it the second time because I watched it for what it was worth, the movie, not trying to pay attention for of the uh, of of it being like what is it German film? I'm assuming yeah, German. Yeah, it's a German film. Uh, yeah, okay. So Blood Red Sky is the story of a basically a single mother who happened to have been bit by a creature, a vampire earlier, in, you know, in the or early in her life. And um, she takes a drug to like basically manage her condition. But the violence, you know, just it, it's just built within her of her becoming a vampire that tries to consume her life. So was that so, was the drug that she was taking, was that an actual drug for her being a vampire to control it? Or was it just a, a regular drug to control something else that just happened no, to? No, I think that was the drug to control her outbreak. Like her, it was to calm her down, whatever it was. And now I don't know exactly what drug it was, but. I mean, like I knew she was going to America for like some kind of a treatment like is it was kind of alluded to that she had like a terminal illness almost like a leukemia or cancer so i was yeah, like you're led right. to believe that she's taking pills for that but then after everything happens i think it's very obvious that maybe she was being you know kind of quiet about that so that maybe she didn't alarm her son or something because i think she was obviously taking some kind of a pill that they had formed maybe to keep her calm Can, or something. calm yeah yeah, because I thought it was weird yeah. that that she was going and having like medicine for her 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 cause or whatever of being. They're iron pills. They're iron pills, guys. But nobody mm. I was gonna say, but nobody right? knows like nobody knows that she's a vampire or that vampires exist. So why would she be going to a facility that to, to help calm her from being a vampire? They're Flintstone pills, okay? God damn it. <laughs> was I mean, I mean, shit. They're they're Flintstone pills. I mean, shit, lax. But anyways, um, so well, once a day keeps up. the vampires away. <laughs> hey, you have a no. Is that right? Trademark that. Trademark that. <laughs> um, but the opening scene, it's like it opens up really quick where it's like mayhem and chaos and a plane has been apparently like hijacked and it's like making an emergency landing. I think at like a Scottish airport and like the forces are ready for action. You know, they're not letting the, the individuals off the plane. And, and you're kind of like wondering like, man, like what's, what's going on. So a small boy comes down from the plane and and the forces try to interrogate him about what is happening inside the plane. And then it's like, it cuts back to a flashback <clears throat> and it's entertaining. It's very entertaining and it's very well done. And the the graphics, the the makeup, it's all well done. Repeating back to the first time I watched it, kind of getting sidetracked. First time I did not like it. I, I was like, I hated this. But then I watched it again and I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, Blood Red Sky is let me get to this point i don't think it's it's not really about vampires um and it isn't really about like the hijack either i think it's like a beautiful bond between the mother and son you know how much a mother would a, a parent in general would would do for their their child and um 
the mother's trying to suppress her evil, you know, side. So she isn't like, so her son doesn't see her forming into a vampire, seeing, you know, danger. And when the vampires, like when the other vampires on the plane, you know, sees, I mean, sees, sees her as a partial human back and forth. The one guy, God, what is his name? I can't think of it. It was one of the hijackers. He was like obsessed with, like he wanted to know, like, how is she doing this? And didn't he like take her blood and and pump it into him? Or did or it, I, I, am I? It's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks now since I watched it. Wasn't it eight? But, was it eight ball? The hijacker, maybe about Alexander Shear. I was I was looking at these names because I always get yeah. the hijackers confused. I don't know any of the cast members from the film, so I, I don't either. So names. Tyler, that that might be right. I just know that guy it's uh, got sure. on my he got on my damn nerves, but he did it well. He played the role that he was playing so well as the bad guy, and like he noticed her, like he shot her in the beginning, right by in front of her son, and she was down, and all of a sudden her body was gone. He was like, "Where the hell is she?" Um, and I think they had another interaction below the plane when, like, the dog, like, there was a, the woman bit the dog, sucked the dog's blood or something like that to kind of give her a little bit more energy. Um, but back to the story of not really about a vampire or the hijack or the chaos, it was a really well-written movie about just the bond between mother and son. Um, and like it kind of is like you almost kind of get as well an action movie mixed with like a diehard kind of theme in a way, I, like on the plane, but a mixture with like vampires, you know, incorporated. But um, to me, it was it was thinking outside the box with a vampire movie. You know, you have it, like vampire movies now are either about you know love younger teenagers you know I, I i mean there hasn't really been a great vampire movie since like i feel 30 days of nights um or even you know the lost boys i mean if you're going to go back fright night um but this was i mean this was up there because it was different it, it was it was action it was a mixture with everything that you know drama and it was actually made outside the box I made a note whenever I was watching it too, because I think we got about thirty minutes into it, or maybe even forty minutes into it, uh, before any real, real vampire stuff happens. And I made a note and I said, "This is a really well-made action movie." It is, yeah. And, and it's like, and I like this because like I like the idea of a good vampire battling villains for once. So you got that as well. You know, the mother was like really like the good vampire if that makes sense battling villains and battling bad vampires after you know they were uh, infected and and starting to change so she was like pretty much a badass the mom she was trying to keep it under control for her son battling hijackers battling bad vampires and then at the same time still trying to save lives and i was like it it was just the edge of your seat type of deal and um I love this movie. Um, the second time I watched it, so uh, let me say that again. The first time I watched it, did not like it. I wanted to turn it off, but I watched it again and uh, really paid attention. 
And um, I gave this movie, I gave this movie a seven out of ten. I really enjoyed uh, Blood Red Sky for what it was, um, um, action mixture with drama, mixture with the vampire, mixture with kind of a love story as well between mother and son. Well, you mentioned too at the beginning of the movie that the the plot pretty much takes place with the kid having a flash or like telling the yeah. story. Like it's a flashback scene where he is telling the security people, you know, what happened on the plane. So mm -hmm. I actually asked you this, Mike, as soon as I got done watching the movie, and this can't be really a, a much of a complaint to me or anything like that, but I just, as soon as I got done with it, I was just like, um, this doesn't make any sense. So the kid has a flashback about what happened on the plane from his perspective, right? It's all from his perspective. Mm -hmm. So why, whenever he is sleeping, does the mom have a flashback whenever she was uh, attacked by a vampire? You see all these different flashbacks of the mom during situations when the kid is asleep or the kid isn't there. But it's supposed to be told from the perspective of the kid. So, like, is he supposed to be telling these guards, like, you know, at this moment, I went to sleep and my mom had a flashback. Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. I could see that. I can see that. Maybe that's one of the, the flaws in the movie, which the movie did have some flaws. But I think other than focusing on that, you know, I mean, I know the child is telling basically the story and what has happened. But besides that, I, I... I thought it was done well, man. Um, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, that's that's not a reason like to to dislike it or anything. I, I actually really liked the movie. I thought it was very well told. I thought the uh, the story itself was really good. I thought having the small confined space of a plane be the entire film, like they they used the location really well, where you had a, the entire upstairs where the cabin or where the you know the seats and everything are, and then you have the lower area that they can get to. Um, with the, the luggage and the animals. And then they even have like the captain's or the uh, attendance quarters or whatever, where they go to the pilot is, is stored. Uh, it's just a really good use of the location of the, of um, for the plane. But I thought the, the vampire effects were also really good. I thought the vampires were really, really good, especially the main one that I think you were talking about eight ball, Tyler, uh, whenever he, you know, shoots himself up with her blood and turns himself into a vampire and then she catches him on fire. And then you have that burn vampire look. Like, I thought that was really good. I really liked his look as a yeah. vampire. And it's all practical effects. I don't remember seeing any, like, CG or anything anywhere yeah. except for maybe some plane sequences of flying or something. But as far as the vampires go, the makeup and the blood and all that, I believe it was all practically done and it looked really good. Now, Mike was right. The dubbing is very, very off, especially at the end of the movie. The beginning of the film, it did not yes. bother me. But the the further into the movie you got, the kids' dubbing got worse and worse, and I don't know why. Yes. But but I actually yeah. really, really enjoyed the film. And, Tyler, you haven't spoke much about it yet. <laughs> uh -oh, usually usually we here. know what that means. <laughs> he, 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 he did not like it. <laughs> No, dude. I mean, there's not many horror movies that like sneak by me. I had never, I, I, had, I had no idea what the hell this thing was. I was like, "What is this?" I've never heard of Blood Red Sky in my entire life. So, like, it was a complete surprise to me. And let's just say I know why I didn't hear about it. Uh, um. So for me, was the entire thing was it dubbed? 
I thought it was. In, yeah. I thought they. I thought the actors spoke English. It just wasn't very good English. No, it was dubbed. It, it was dubbed. Because I don't know. Okay, so I don't know if in the German language this may be a flaw. Um, because I was gonna just slam it for the acting being absolutely atrocious and unbelievably like bad. Um, the little boy was pushing the annoyance of the Babadook. The boy from the Baba Duke, <laughs> yeah. exactly like that. Um, <laughs> the hijackers did an absolute horrible job, but if what? It was dubbed, yeah, hor- oh my, the hijackers acting. Yeah, oh watching, man, I'm telling you, it was absolutely the worst acting I've ever. It was on the level of like, I don't know, like it was. I came into it was like the room quality acting to me. No, yes, no, it, yes, it was. It was no. Bad. It was oh, bad. Hi, Man. No, nowhere near. It was the room. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you. The it, and it was specifically the hijackers. But here's the thing: if it was dubbed, maybe the original language they were maybe they were given it their all. I don't know. Maybe they were like really doing a good job. Maybe the the story was written well. The script was solid. I don't know. But for some reason, as it translated over, if it was dubbed. Maybe they just stripped down the dialogue to where it was very easy to understand. And they just quickly just, hey, we got to get this done. Let's do it kind of thing. The, the dubbing dubbing is always, always overlooked as far as that goes, because it's never as intense as what the acting does. So if somebody is giving it their all when they're acting, the dub, the people right. in the dubbing stations or whatever, are just sitting in a studio room. And they're just trying to to you know recreate the words, so they're not giving all the emotion as they would if they were actually on the plane, you know, doing their their stunts and everything. So it doesn't translate very well with dubbing, and I think that's where you're missing the the mark there is because you have to overlook that aspect of it. And I I've told Mike this before because Mike doesn't like dubbing in anything. Like yeah. he would be awful watching Italian films, and yeah, um, when it comes to dubbing, like I that's one thing I completely overlook is the translation between the actor's emotions and the the dubbed voice well no i can usually past it but the way the the way it made the story come off was very i guess you would say just it was just a very like hard to like even believe some of the things they were saying i don't know like imagine there was this like one scene where they were in the cockpit and the guy calls in and he's like um, flight, blah, 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 whatever flight they were on. They were like, we noticed you have just went off radar and we don't know where you're located at. Is everything okay? And they're like, yes, everything is fine. <laughs> and they say, okay, have a good night. Like, I'm like, hello? And it wasn't even, it was very blatantly not the captain. Like you could just, he said some stuff that was very not captain-like. And I'm just like, okay, so they're going to completely believe this. And that wasn't the only instance. I wish I could remember all of them because as I was watching, I was like, what the hell? What the hell? Over and over and over again because every five, ten minutes, there was some like really weird logic choices. Like super, super odd. Or what about the fact that the plane caught on fire? Like literally there's a fire. Like why would you catch the plane on fire whenever you're going literally over the ocean? They can't land anywhere. And you're going to say, okay, it's okay that the plane's on fire. We're going to go up in flames right now. I'm working so hard to save my son and all these people on this flight that I'm going to catch the plane on fire. (laughs) Okay. So the person, the person that caught the plane on fire um, was was the the villain. No, she put the fire out. She yeah, uh, she put it out. Wait, we need to catch this on. What are you? We're talking about the one where she, the car. 
Yeah, that's what she put the she puts the fire out, right? No, well, I think eventually she puts the somebody puts the fire out eventually, but she started it. I gotta look it up. She started that fire. I, I swear to you guys, she started the fire. But yeah, there was a few things like that because I was thinking the same thing though. Whenever the fire is happening, I said, "Oh well, there's not very much oxygen inside that plane. <laughs> it's going to use up all the oxygen with that fire." Um, that was a thought too. But I, it was again, I, I overlook it the small little things like that that don't really relate too much to the story or to the plot. I can really easily overlook because also too, he shoots the gun. And the door, or the there's like the the hole in the door, or whatever, and the pressure is like it, there's so much pressure that it blows stuff out, right? And that's that's what happens in all horror films with planes or whatever, any movie where there's a plane. Yeah. If there's a hole in the plane, the pressure is so intense it sucks everything out like instantly. You can't even move hardly. And then all of a sudden, like he drops the level down to like below cloud level. And all of a sudden, the pressure is okay. It's okay to have the hole in the plane. Like, it didn't make any sense to me. But it's, again, it's something I can overlook just because it's just something not related to to the effects or to the plot, really. It's just there because they needed a cool thing to happen to move the story along. So I, I can easily overlook little details like that that don't make sense with, with things. I mean, I can let some logic stuff kind of slip by me. Like, I, I am... I feel like I'm very equitable when I watch horror. I'm like, you know, if the if the film was fun but bad, I can give it the credit. Um, if the film was like really good, maybe a bit boring, I can give it the credit. But if it's just like not ticking any boxes for me, that's where I have a major problem. Um, let's see. So it is. I did confirm that is eight ball that injects himself. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that is correct. I'm trying to um, find information on the fire. I'm not finding the fire yet. I, I think you're right, me. though, because she um, she pours the gasoline in there, right? Yeah. So and she pours the gasoline. And. There are like many, but see, even I use the fire as an example. I use the cockpits, black box as an example. Those are two solid examples, but honestly, there are 15, 20 different things. I'm like, scratch my head. I'm like, I don't understand why exactly they would do that. Even the fact that it was on a plane to begin with, and it started out as this, like, um, like Mike said, like, you know, it really kind of works as more of a, a film not related to vampires. So I don't really know why it should have to be a vampire because it was like the story, it was almost like the story was about a hijacking. And then yeah. eventually they were like, you know, it's kind of boring. What do you think we should do? Oh, hell, let's make the protagonist a vampire. It's kind of like that. <laughs> it's like that movie I watched um, uh, about a year ago. It was uh, Crocodile 2, where the entire 45 minutes to an hour of the film takes place with hijackers in a plane. And then all of a sudden the plane crashes in the swamp where the alligator is or crocodile is. And then the next 30 minutes of the movie is the them getting attacked by the crocodile. And you would not know <laughs> the difference if you just tuned in. It's like that. Yeah, they were like, man, this is really, this hijacking movie is really not going well. What can we do? We have an idea. You know what I mean? Alligator 2. Um, <laughs> even all the stuff that you said, all the logic things that don't make any sense, and the the point where half of it is an action hijacked movie, half of it is a vampire movie, I still felt myself really enjoying what I was watching. I haven't watched it twice like Mike, so I don't have that second experience, but based off the first initial viewing, 
I enjoyed the movie, and I actually gave it the same rating that Mike did. I gave it a seven. What about the high? It, I will say it did seem like the. I don't know what the budget even was, but geez, that thing was like, it seemed expensive. Yeah. Oh yeah, it did. Yeah. Too bad it was wasted. Let's see. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Sorry for you guys. So bad. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, what what did you give it, Tyler? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to say. I, budget I to... was budget was seventeen point seven million. See, that's insane. Seventeen million. Jeez. For for a horror movie straight to Netflix in the middle of a pandemic that was shot in Germany. Jesus, that's that's really good. That's that's steep. Um, I for all the right reasons, I've got to give this film a three out of ten. Ooh, okay. Well, I I, I, I thought you were going to give it. No way. Yeah, I I thought you were going to give it like a a one or a two. I'll just be honest with you guys. Even the high budget and how well it was shot, because I I think that that was there were uh, honestly there were moments. I I'm just going to say it. I felt like it was out of focus. Um, I looked over at my fiance like twice. I was like, is this scene like completely out of focus to you? I wasn't wearing my glasses, so maybe I'm crazy, but it seemed like they shot it out of focus. I don't know if they were out of time or what. But um I didn't I didn't catch that at all. It's just like yeah. it, it was not working for me. I would say I'd give it a second chance, but I don't know if I could just I don't even know if I can get through it again, honestly. So that's a total of 17 right there from Mike. So Blood Red Sky has a score of 17. 17. Sorry, Mike. We love you. No, no. Well, not we no, love you. No. Because he gave it a good score. All right, guys. So my film is a 1977 film that is by George Romero. And anybody listening who does not know this film, you're like, wow, I thought this was supposed to be a vampire theme week, not, you know, a zombie theme week. But believe it or not, George Romero is actually known for one vampire film it is called martin from the director of night of the living dead you probably never heard of it um because the rights themselves have went to the producer um and the producer um basically has i think dawn of the dead um he has did he have a creep show? I'm trying to remember what he had. He had a couple of the different um, George Romero films. He worked with him for a very long time. And he's withholding the rights for himself because he wants to, like, obviously make a profit off of it. So even this film is criminally under scenes, what I'm trying to say, because of the status that it's currently at. Um, it's a perfect time to talk about it, though, because it's about to get a 4K restoration because the um, director of photography had recently discovered a 4K um, 16 millimeter um, print that they could have restored to the 4K, I should say. Um, so that's great. But overall, um, Richard Rubenstein's the name. Um, if you're familiar with the name, he's produced Tells from the Dark Side, Dawn of the Dead, and Martin. Those are the three he currently owns. So um, even the one that we watch, guys, if you watch the the file that I sent you of the film, it was in the wrong aspect ratio. Um, it wasn't restored. It was the best quality possible, but there's no HD master for the film. So if you kind of watched it and the colors were a little off, it's um, in the wrong aspect ratio. It kind of seems a little off. 
that's because this film is unavailable widely. <clears throat> Excuse me. So aside from that, um, he's obviously known for his Pittsburgh movies, um, George Romero. And this film features the entire Pittsburgh gang. Um, I mean, he worked with them on Dawn of the Dead. Um, it has, um, you know, George Romero himself stars in as the priest. Um, it has Tom Savini in a couple scenes. Tom Savini also did the special effects. It was made for a very, very low budget. And um, just like all of um, George Romero's other films, um, while this one might be a little like, you know, sex driven, um, a little slow, um, it's intentional because Martin was, you know, made as a kind of like a political statement in slow cinema. And by slow cinema, I really mean just um, films that kind of just take a long time per scene. Um, and this is actually an entire subgenre of film. And I think that a lot of people could be turned off by that. But something about Martin taking its time kind of gives it the novelty and it kind of does explain the story in a way that does show that subtext of, um, of I guess you would say, like um, religion um, themes. You have the theme of like vampirism. It kind of has that traditional flow as well, vampirism by like the romance in it. And it's kind of like one of those like films that's kind of like off-putting, I think, to a lot of people because of that, because it's such a strange and odd film. But um, overall, it's something that you really, really should seek out. Um, for one, you know, it's it's one of George Romero's lost films. Um, it's just not coming back into light. And um, I, I just love the hell out of this film, I'll be honest. Um, what'd you guys think? I, I think you can debate whether this is a vampire movie or not. Now, I, I know it has to deal with the aspect of like, you know, he drinking calls him blood. The, and, yeah. yeah, drinking blood. Um, they call him Nosferatu. There's the flashback scenes where he is, he's like, Nosferatu. It's black, and, it's black and white. So, I mean, I don't know, but it doesn't feel like a vampire. You don't really know for sure if he's a vampire because also he goes through and he he rapes women. He cuts their wrists and stuff after he's done. It just doesn't seem yeah. like something any traditional vampire does. And then on that aspect, you really don't know truly whether he really is a vampire. It's just all, it can be all in his head. Or his grandpa, or the grandpa guy, um, he is telling him that he's Nosferatu because that's what he wants to believe. So it's almost like he's putting this idea out there yeah and so i think you can really debate whether it's truly a vampire movie but i i still think it still qualifies because it puts those aspects into the film but it's also just i don't know if it really is a vampire or not it doesn't go into I, that um like old world transylvanian style of victorian vampirism it goes for a more like 70s sleaze approach to that it's basically like if there was a vampire that was in the 70s that was trying to disguise himself as a normal person, it would kind of be Martin, which I do I love this scene. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I don't know if it, if it's just me or not, but did you guys get the feeling that the movie should have taken place in like Transylvania or somewhere in a different country than the U.S.? Because it takes place in, in the United States. And to me, it felt, I don't know if it's just the accent that the grandpa guy had, but it felt very like international it felt like it should be like in one of those real small transylvanian towns or something well keep in mind see that sorry go ahead Mike. Um, um, see that part didn't bother me i 
I liked it, but there was a kind of relating to what Lax was talking about. Um, I think it was more like he was like psychotic. He had like these psychotic tendencies, obviously, and like basically lived out of a suitcase, you know. Um, I, if he is a vampire, you know, he, he can walk in sunlight. He doesn't sleep in a coffin. He's not afraid of, you know, crosses, religious, you know, um, relics or anything like that. But um, I, I, I liked it. I liked how, is he a vampire? Is he a serial killer? Um, it's almost like he's, he's a serial killer that basically just stocks for, for people's blood and to drink it. It's like he's almost obsessed with it. It was a, it was a good twist. Um, but nothing kind of like is concrete on him being a vampire, but I was very curious about it. I, I wanted, I, I, I was, I was kind of stuck in wanting to know more, but to me, I felt like, you know, he, he was mis misunderstood. Um, and I think he, his whole life, his family was basically telling him that he's a vampire, you know, uh, encouraging him, uh, pushing him to those beliefs. And I think that was a part that pushed him into being like mentally psychotic. Um, because obviously there was, there was a lot wrong with him, but it didn't bother me. I really enjoyed this film a lot. Um, because it's not your typical, you know, vampire. It, it was more of a, serial killer stalker uh murder um it did have some slow parts and i didn't even mind uh the the, the uncle uh, what was his name was it kuda the uncle um, um kuda yeah it's um his cousin yeah cousin sorry cousin and you know uh murdered him in bed right so, like didn't murder <laughs> like him scene it was yeah. like thank you for coming yeah. to stay with me i will slay you yeah <laughs> i will slay you like like <laughs> I I enjoyed it. It was I weird. didn't understand that part. <laughs> I loved it, was, it so much. It's so funny. Yeah, it, well, it, I, it was weird. Like, did he did Martin like agree to this? Oh yeah, I'll come live with you and then you can murder me. Like that seemed like the whole idea of, of the movie. Like he's like convinced he's a vampire, but I think Martin's just trying to convince him he's not um right, yeah. That identity. So it's just funny, it's like I will find out, and if I do, I will slay him. <laughs> you're, you're dead, dead to me <laughs> um, yeah. yeah it's like van helsing it's like a modern day he's like he's like his it, that's a, a good helsing. description yes you know, yes um, that's good yeah just like what chris was saying with um how it should have been taking place um in like a small like transylvanian style town um i think the reason being was that george amiro this was one of his like earlier films um he shot he didn't have much of a budget for it so i think what it was was he was a very Pittsburgh-based um, filmmaker at the time. He worked with all the people from Pittsburgh. And I know that um, while they were in Pittsburgh, they were really making these like $100,000 budget films. And I think they had no resource at all to try to make this anywhere else. It may have been based somewhere else if they had the resources for it. But I think that they shot the entire film in um, like the director of photography's grandma's house. Um, so they were very, very limited on budget and time. Um, one thing that's really interesting about it, though, apparently there's a three and a half hour long director's cut, and that's coming to the Blu-ray. So I'm just like, hmm. why are we? How are we missing two hours of this? Yeah. 
but yeah, overall, I mean, like, it tells a really, really interesting story. I think the way it's cut now, um, I mean, it's like the Ramiro kind of like theatrical cut. So it was approved by Ramiro, that cut was. So it still tells a very good story. So his favorite film he's ever made, he said. I went into the movie because oh. uh, this was the first this was the first viewing for me. And I went in thinking that I was not going to like the movie. I'd heard only bad things about the movie. You, every time I looked up a review or heard anybody talk about it on any show or site, it was the movie's extremely slow. This is Romero's worst film, yada, yada, yada. So I went into it with very, very low expectations. And then as soon as the movie started, I thought, man, I am not going to like this. <clears throat> but the longer you watch the movie, when you get into the story where Martin actually goes to his cousin's house and stays there, he starts developing these relationships with people around the town. Uh, the action scenes, you know, where he breaks into people's houses and stuff is really, really entertaining. Um, so it, it changed my aspect the longer I watched the movie. And ultimately, you know, it, even though it was weird seeing a young Tom Savini in the movie, I thoroughly enjoyed watching the film. And uh, it's not yeah. the it's not the best. It's not the worst. It's somewhere in between. So it's, yes, I can recommend it, but is it something amazing? Is it masterpiece? No, it's nowhere near either of those. And you can definitely see that it was an early stage of Romero wanting to do his own. Because this happened, what, it, it happened after Night of the Living Dead, but it was before Dawn of the Dead. So it was I think in it was between. Right, was it right around the same time? I think they were shot, like, back-to-back, -back, essentially. So Yeah, because because that was, what, 77, and Dawn of the Dead would have been 78, right? Mm -hmm. It would have been right before. Uh, yeah, so you're talking about two of the greatest zombie films ever created, and this sets directly in between that. Um, so I can see where people, like, if you go straight into watching Romero's films, I can see where this can kind of be on the lower aspect of his filmmaking career. But I I still think it's an entertaining film, and I still recommend it. Whether it's a vampire yeah. movie, you don't really know, but um, I would I would give it a a five. That's what I gave it was a five. See, um, I really enjoyed this film. Um, I didn't care if it was a vampire movie or not. I was just in, I was into it. Um, I thought it was really well done to be uh, a not a with with not a, a huge budget. Um, it was creepy. It was. It was entertaining. Um, yeah, it was a little slow in parts, but um, I, I, gave me, this movie, I, I gave this movie a seven. I really enjoyed it. I really, really enjoyed it. Hey, okay. Yeah, yeah. that really surprised I, This was a movie I thought Mike was absolutely going to hate because, Mike, you usually like the newer, faster-paced yeah. films with a lot yeah. of action, a lot of gore, um, right. and this yeah. is not that at all. So I really thought that going into this, like you were gonna hate the movie, and whenever, whenever I started watching it, I was like, "Oh man, this is definitely not for Mike not, at all." See what what kind of got me was in the beginning, like the uh, the stalkerish on the train type of thing. Like it was creepy. Like something like that could really happen to an individual, especially a woman traveling alone. And that's like, man, that could really happen. And the fight scene, like it, it, it was not over the top, but it was still not terribly cheesy. Um, 
but at the same time, what what when was this film? What seventy six? Was it seventy six? Seventy eight? Seventy seven. Seventy seven. Yeah, it's more than seventies. Yeah, and but even being a seventies film, like you know, that really enjoyed it. I really like this. It was it was not my cup of tea that I would have picked personally, but I'm glad I watched it because I will definitely recommend it. Oh yeah, I absolutely love this film and adore it. Um, I would give it an eight out of ten. Honestly, honestly, you know what? I wouldn't give it a nine because it's de- it's not a, like absolute masterpiece, ten out of ten for me. But it's definitely way way above good or even great. So I think it I think it deserves a nine just because George Romero gave such an interesting effort and it says so much more than just about vampirism. It's so cool. It is. I will agree. I really enjoyed this. Sweet. I would like to see the the new version when it comes out to see the extended cut and and all the stuff that we never got to see. I would I would be interested enough into seeing it again. And a lot of times when I rate movies that I <clears throat> recommend to people and give like fives, they're usually movies I probably won't watch again, but still enjoy them. But I think this is a movie that even though I gave it a five, I think I can go back and watch again sometime down the road. And with this new 4K that's coming out, I think that would be a good opportunity for me to watch it again and see if my rating changes. Because I didn't hate it. I just I there was just a few things about it that made me not think it's the greatest or or the worst. So, um, yeah, I'm interested in seeing it again. Yeah, I mean, like, so yeah. Martin's never really been given a fair shot, I feel like, because the 4K coming out now it's going to be the first time ever it's presented in the proper aspect ratio. First time ever that George Romero's true director's cut's going to be coming out. It's going to be the first time that it's actually been restored in any kind of HD format. And past HD, it's like UHD at this point. So I think we're going to be seeing a completely different film because this is it's crazy that a film is only available on VHS quality, jumps and skips DVD, skips Blu-ray, and goes straight to 4K. Which there has been a Martin DVD, but that was a pan and scan from a VHS. So we're literally stuck with a VHS title right now. And soon to be a 4K. Hey. Yeah, I, I want to see it. I would definitely like to see that. I think the interesting yeah. thing is, is the 4K came out today as we're recording this. So I'm going to order it. Huh. Oh, nice. So I think that gives you a 21, Tyler. That is correct. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. What you got, Chris? Okay, so the film that I chose to put into the battle for vampire films was a movie I had never seen before, and it is a Hammer film production, and it is from 1969. It is Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. To know him is eternal damnation. has risen from the grave. And I know this goes by a couple different titles as well, uh, but I think here in the U.S. it was only ever released as Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. Uh, Like I said, it's a Hammer film, and it has Christopher Lee as Dracula. And with it, Dracula is has been. I don't know if this is a direct sequel to another another Hammer film. I don't. I'm not too into the horror uh, or the hammer film. So as far as sequels go and how 
everything lines up in the world of Dracula. I'm not familiar on those things. Um, so this one has Dracula has already been laid to rest. He is in a casket uh, buried underground and everybody believes that he is gone for good. Like he's been killed. He's not, he's not there. Nobody in the town has anything to fear any longer. They can go amongst their normal lives and everybody can go to church, but still that fear has been lingering in the area amongst town goers. And we have, um, I can't remember the characters names uh, much, but we have two characters who, um, one is a priest and one is like the main, uh, main town, um, core like curator or, or whatever he does that he's like the, i don't know if he's a mayor or what but he pretty much runs the town that the church is sets in and he thinks uh, that everybody should be attending church but people are too scared to go because the shadow from the castle from dracula's castle you know hits the church so they think they're, they're going to be cursed and that dracula is going to come back and, and kill him and so he says, well, I'm going to put this to rest. I'm going to go up to the to Dracula's castle. And I'm going to see to it that that there's nothing there, nothing to be feared by. And in doing so, when they get there, of course, he brings the priest with him. And um, a, one thing after another leads to the priest being not wanting to go to the castle. He's too scared. And he ends up finding Dracula's grave. And he... Un unbeknownst to him accidentally unleashes dracula from the grave uh which makes dracula you know uh, what is it like the trance or whatever he does to make him to control right. the priest and he yeah. pretty much puts the, the priest in control to go back to the town to lure the young women to dracula so that he can start you know fresh again um, the one thing that I've noted about this movie, I made this note uh, when I was watching it, was not much Dracula in this movie. He's really not much. Like, yeah. He's really not featured in the film. It's more of the priest. The priest is like the main character, and he is anytime that something bad happens, it's always the priest. Um, but Christopher Christopher Lee as Dracula is most people's favorite Dracula version, and I understand why he. He's really good. The, the the stare that he does with his bloodshot yep. eyes is very creepy. Yep. <clears throat> he, I mean, I think he's probably one of the best Draculas ever to to any best people to ever portray Dracula. Um, I thought the setting was really good. This one takes place in like the Transylvania town, like I was saying. Martin should have taken place in. This is the same town I feel like Martin should have taken place in. Um, but we have uh, a young girl who. Um, it's like the, not the priest, but the, is it the, no, the, 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 the mayor, I'm just going to call him the mayor because I don't know what he really does. Monsignor. It's okay. Like a, so yeah. So thing. his daughter, his daughter is uh, engaged or, or going to be engaged to the, this young man who works at this bar or tavern or whatever. And Dracula is eyeing his daughter. So the priest is doing everything he can to lure that daughter to Dracula and they basically have to be pretty much put Dracula to, to end again. They have to figure out a way to stop Dracula from getting to the girl. So that way he can be, you know, that she can be married again. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was really well done. It was very surprising to me too, because I thought it was going to be really slow. I thought it was going to be really boring. I'd never seen this film before. I've only ever seen one other Hammer Dracula film. Um, and I actually really liked it too. So there's something, maybe there's something to, to that. 
uh, what did you guys think of this Dracula has risen from the grave? I absolutely loved it. I love, love, love everything about it. Um, I think that you're absolutely right. Christopher Lee makes the best Dracula of all time. Um, I don't know if anybody could ever quite play it as good as him. Um, Bill Lugosi gave it a great effort. I mean, he's probably my second favorite because he's so classic. <clears throat> Excuse me. But um, yeah, I mean, Christopher Lee just kills it in the atmosphere that Hammer you know, horror films has. Um, really portrays it perfectly. And I think that um, you watch horror of Dracula. Was that the other one you watched? Yes, that's the one I'd seen before, and I really enjoy the horror of Dracula. That's the most like classic one. That's really really good. And then Taste the the Blood of Dracula is also really good. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's um one of the few Hammer films not made by um oh my God the the one dude is it Terrence um Terrence Fisher. So this film is not directed by Terrence Fisher, and Terrence Fisher is usually the one that directs most Hammer films, but this is um, Freddie Francis, and Freddie Francis has done a number of Hammer horror films, but they're like the two most well-known. But when you think Hammer, you think, you know, Dracula Frankenstein with sex. <laughs> it's just kind of thing, I don't know. And that's, I mean, and that's that's what it is, and everything about it is just stunning. Uh, and I mean, it is a British production, so all the actors are British, so it kind of adds to that kind of overall atmosphere. So the acting is superb in that way, too. So, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I thought there was a funny scene when um, the <clears throat> the young girl that's the 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 mayor's daughter goes in, like goes into the to the tavern where her boyfriend is working and she gets lured to the basement where she's getting attacked by Dracula. And everybody in the tavern is like, hey, she went to the basement. Go find her. And then he like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he goes to the basement. He's like, oh, she's not here. Comes back upstairs and like, oh, you didn't find her? She's in the basement. Go find her. Goes back down <laughs> to the basement. Nope, still not here. Goes back up. You didn't find her yet. Like, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed this as well. Um, I will tell you, yeah, Christopher Lee by far played played an amazing role and I thought he was just God the red eyes and just his facial features and the way he presents himself as Dracula is just it, it's it's creepy it it's just that it but but it's just done so well and um hands down the best Dracula there is and the movie I I did think it was slower paced but I didn't mind it. I did not mind it. And these are two of the older movies that I have not seen before that I didn't mind it being slow. I just, I appreciated it. I appreciated the time frame, um, the acting, even at that time to now watching it, I didn't mind. I thought it was well done. And um, it, it, it wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot of Dracula, but when he was there, he made an impact. And it was it, it was so so impactful that it it just it just it completed the movie and um, I, I enjoyed this. Uh, there was a little bit of comedy in it. Um, I I really God I don't even know what to give this. This is pro I probably like this the most out of them all. To be honest with you, this is I probably I gave this an eight. I really enjoyed this. I gave it an eight. So this is a quick note, and I don't know how true this is, but um, after watching the film, I was doing a little research on it, and it uh, I read something that this was the very first 
movie to ever be rated by the MPAA. I know so a little bit of like a little bit of trivia there. It's kind of cool. That is cool. Well, I know that like okay. So if I'm remembering this correct, I think this comes. This one comes after this one Dracula film from Hammer. See, Hammer made a lot of Dracula films. And Christopher yeah. Lee is well known as Dracula because he's played Dracula more than any other actor in history. He has the most Dracula roles. That being said, it follows up from this one film and Dracula is killed in it. I remember that very specifically. I forget which one it was. I'm trying to, maybe I can look it up real quick. I think, was it Prince of Darkness? Prince of Darkness? Dracula, Prince of Dark. I've actually never seen it. So, like I said, I have not mm, delved yeah. into the Hammer horror at all. Here it is. I think this one follows. This one was sixty-seven, right? Uh, sixty-nine. Dracula has risen from the grave with sixty-nine. And then the one before. Okay, 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 okay. Wait, wait, wait. I got this. So, Dracula, Prince of Darkness was from 1966. It was directed by Terrence Fisher, is what I'm thinking. So, that's that's that. And Dracula was killed at the end of it. Um, and he drowns in, like, this freezing cold water. And this, this film is Ooh. basically Dracula is in his grave because he had been killed in the film before. So, they had to find a way to, like, write him back into the story. Because he had some films to make, guys. I no, mean, yeah, Christopher Lee has to come back. I loved it. I we're loved not it. to the Wicker Man quite yet, but we're we're getting there. And I, I also noted this, too. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Dracula's castle, they never show the inside of the castle. You only see the outside of it. So the entire movie takes place outside of Dracula's castle. Huh. Very hammer. I also love how all the Hammer films have this kind of like gimmick to it. Um, it always has some kind of like filmmaking gimmick. And this one was called Technoscope, which I think is kind of funny. And it doesn't mean anything. It's a widescreen film, but it was presented in Technoscope because Hammer was all about trying to sell their films to audiences. And they were responsible to get the asses back in the seats. They were like, we don't have much money. We don't have many resources, but you know what? We're going to make a hell of a film. It's going to be in Technoscope and people are going to show up for it. And we're going to make tons of money by mixing sex, atmosphere, horror. And that is honestly the birth of a lot of you know horror fans today stemmed from that success of the hammer run so it's yeah. a lot of it's it's a big piece of rooted history of horror and you can't really have the horror that we have today without saying hey hammer played a role in this because they certainly did and hammer honestly is still around today and yeah. i mean i, I really a long hiatus too I really want to dive into more Hammer films, so maybe we could have that topic sometime get added to the will, I mean, hopefully, because I'd like to see more of it. That'd be good. Frankenstein and Dracula, I'm telling you, both of them are fantastic. Yeah. And The Devil Rides Out, that's a very good one, too. But with 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 Christopher Lee as Dracula, the, uh, the effects were actually really good, because whenever he gets stabbed with the um, with the cross or whatever, the, you know, it actually looked really well done. It was really gory for that moment. There's not much gory in the film, but it's just that particular moment, really. Uh, pretty bloody uh, scene, really well done. I really liked it. I thought the atmosphere and the whole 
you know, British time period piece looked really, really good. Uh, really entertaining. I gave this movie a seven out of 10. For me, eight out of 10 all the way. Yeah. And even some of the other ones, they will even push nines. And honestly, the devil rides out. I mean, I have a couple hammer films. I would consider possibly tens. So I'm telling you, check out every single one of these from horror of Dracula all the way up through this one. And as the run continues, because it just keeps getting high quality, you know, output over and over and over again. That means I won. That means I won. I'm pissed. It's a one. (laughs) (laughs) Like that gives me 23, right? Eight, eight, and seven. 23. Yep. Yeah. The number 23. So there you have it, guys. Dracula has risen from the grave with a score of 23. Mike, you had a score for Blood Red Sky at a score of 17. And Tyler Martin had a score of 21. So awesome. That means I get to put another category on the wheel for our next genre, our next category, next Let's, episode, whatever you want to call it. I'm honestly Let's okay. See. I'm I'm okay. Yeah. I'm 100% cool with that. Um, okay, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll come back, and we're going to spin the wheel. We are back, guys, and we are ready to spin the wheel to see which topic is going to be chosen next for the next category. And I was the one that won this this round, so I got to replace the category topic. So we remove vampires and replace it with 80s slasher films. So now the topics that can be chosen for next episode will be either ghost stories, 80s slasher films, found footage, possession flicks, clown town, films from the year you were born, dark comedy horror, werewolves, or shark attack movies. So Tyler, go ahead and spin that wheel and let's see what our next episode is going to be. Here we go. Bum, 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 bum. Ooh. That's gonna be fun. Ghost stories. Okay. Ghost stories. That's gonna be interesting because we just covered some haunted house movies a couple episodes ago and we pretty yeah. much watched all they were all ghost movies. So I'm interested in seeing how like what we all choose for legit just ghost movies. Already have mine. <laughs> Wait, what is it? <laughs> Love it. You know what, Chris? I want to say something. You always say Tyler never likes the films that I bring on. And literally, I think this might have been the first week in like five episodes that you brought a film on. I'm like, you know what? This film is genius. It might be one of the best films of all time. So there we go. You're talking about um the horror rises or Dracula's risen from the grave? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's, I, I mean, yeah, that's fair. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> you said that you said last time. Like, Tyler never likes the films that I bring. No, I'm saying that that uh, I didn't say that you uh, you were going to hate this one. I oh, knew that, you were going to like this one. Oh, yeah. yeah, I knew oh, you were going to like it because it was a Hammer film. Heck yeah. You know me. All right. So we are doing ghost stories next time. Um, thank you guys yes. for tuning in. I hope you guys had a great time. We had a great time recording. And next time we'll be seeing you, we'll be talking a little bit about the spookies. I don't know. What do you guys think? 
I like it. Awesome. All right. See you guys. I like it. See you guys.